Only the fool would say there is no God. We rejoice because we know God's word is true.
And now while we are standing, let us say what we believe. We're going to use the Nicene Creed today, found in selection 880 in your hymnal. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. Dear friends, let us recognize and thank God for those who have responded to the call of God to the ministry of music in the church, to direct, to sing, and to play instruments, our ministries of Christ among us. Those called to these ministries need our loyal support and our prayers. To you, and though for those who serve God through the ministry of music, may the faith expressed by your music live in your heart and what you believe in your heart practice in your life. And may God give you grace to offer your music and your life in faithfulness and consecration now and in the world to come. Dear friends, I commend these persons to, me, to you to whom has been entrusted the ministry of music in the church. Let us sustain them with our encouragement and our prayers as together we seek to offer praise to God as we pray together the prayer you'll find in your order of worship.
O Lord our God, bless these ministries of music and those who offer them in your service. Give to these persons love for you and for your people, fullness of heart as they praise you, and diligence that their music may be worthy offering to your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us offer God the prayer that his Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, friends, welcome once again to Central. I would ask each of you uh, in, to find at the end of your pew the friendship pad there and fill in the information that we might have a record of your being with us today. And I would encourage you, if you uh, to, to read that pad as it goes back down the aisle and, and see who you see today. Maybe you'll make a, a new friend. Also, a reminder that all of the ministries of Central are open to anyone, and, and we'd love for you to participate in some of those. If you'd like to talk about ways to connect with God through Central, or if you'd like to talk about ways that you might, uh, maybe if you want to talk about what it might look like to become a member of Central, any of us clergy would love to talk to you about that. So please give us a call, shoot us an email during the week, and we'd love to, to set an appointment to talk with you about that. And I remind you again to please um, prayerfully consider your every member and ministry card and ways you might uh, serve God through the church in the coming year. And reminder that as we sing our final hymn, when the music starts, I invite you to bring your cards and place them on the altar table. But once again, welcome. And I now invite our children to come forward for our children's time. Good morning. Good morning, guys. And good morning to our friends up there. Y'all are not going to come down, but I i really don't like facing the front because it makes me nervous to talk to the adults. I do better just talking to the kids. But I'll face this way since y'all are up there today and I can talk to you. So did everybody have a good week? Good. Well, the y'all did wonderful, the um, first through fifth grade friends singing the anthem. It's so nice to see everybody back up in choir. This is a very special day at Central today. Not only did we have our choir sing, but we're giving out 17 Bibles to our third graders. And a lot of our third graders are sitting up there that are going to get their new Bibles just like this. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. Does anybody know about the book Cinderella? Okay, who's the main character in that book? 
Cinderella. That's right. She is the main character in the book. Now, what about this book? God, Tucker, that's right. Jesus, Shep, that is right. That is exactly right. But you know what? The Bible mentions a lot more people, too, like the 12 disciples, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But nobody gets as much attention in the Bible as, guess who? God, you're right. You are exactly right. The main character in the Bible is God. And it tells us how God made the world, how he led people out of Israel, how he sent Jesus to die on the cross, how he sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts to teach us, and how he's going to make a new world for us to live in at the end of this one. The story of the Bible is all about the Bible. Now, the Bible tells us, it's like an autobiography, which is a book written about somebody. And you probably haven't read about many autobiographies yet, but you will when you get a little bit older. So the Bible is God telling his story. And he used other people to write down the story. And the Bible tells us that God is the one who told people what to write. It also said that God breathed or spoke the words he wanted people to write in the Bible. So this Bible is God's story that he wrote about himself. Why do you think God would write a story about himself and then give it to us? Eleanor. That's exactly right. So we would know about him. That is exactly right. So God gave us his story, the Bible, so that we could learn about him. So what I want us to do this week is do a good job of reading God's story this week so that we can get to know him a little bit better. Our third graders are going to be reading their new Bibles. And if you have Bibles at home, ask your mom and dad to help you read a Bible story a couple times at night each day, each night. Okay? All right, let's close with prayer and you can repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for giving this story about yourself. Help us to spend time reading the Bible this week so that we can get to know more about you. Amen. All right, let's go to Children's Church if you're with Miss Jenny. Today's Old Testament lesson is from the book of Esther. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the king and Haman came in for the banquet with Queen Esther, the king said to her, This is the second day we've met for wine. What is your wish, Queen Esther? I will give it to you. And what do you want? I will do anything, even give you half the kingdom. Queen Esther answered, If I please the king, and if the king wishes, give me my life. That's my wish. In the lives of my people, too. 
That's my desire. We have been sold, I and my people, to be wiped out, killed, and destroyed. If we simply had been sold as male and female slaves, I would have said nothing. But no enemy can compensate the king for this kind of, kind of damage. King Ezra said to Queen Esther, Who is this person, and where is he? Who would dare do such a thing? Queen Esther replied, A man who hates an enemy, this wicked Haman. Haman was overcome with terror in the presence of the king and queen. Harbona, one of the eunuchs serving the king, said, Look, sir, look, there's the stake that Haman made for Mordecai, the man who spoke up and did something good for the king, is standing at Haman's house, 75 feet high. Impale him on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman on the very pole that he had set up for Mordecai. The king's anger went away. Mordecai wrote these things down and sent letters to all the Jews in all the provinces, both near and far, of King Ezra's. He made it a rule that Jews keep the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar special days and each and every year. They are the days on which the Jews finally put to rest the troubles with their enemies. The month is the one when everything turned around for them, from sadness to joy, and from sad, loud crying to a holiday. They are to make them days of feasts and joyous events, days to send food gifts to each other and money gifts to the poor. This is the word of the Lord.
Our gospel lesson today is from the ninth chapter of Mark, verses 38 through 50. And I invite you to hear now the word of the Lord. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. Then if any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if, a salt, if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our act of praise is from Psalm 100 today. You'll find it in Selection 821 in your hymnal. We will be using the first response, and I'll invite you to stand as you are able and join me in this act of praise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Know that the Lord who made us is God. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. For the Lord is good.
Please be seated. Before I read the scripture lesson, a word of, of introduction that today we're continuing in a series of sermons we've been in for the last uh, few weeks and continuing into the fall called What Followers of Jesus Do. And we remember that our mission here at Central is to follow Jesus by loving God and loving our neighbors. And throughout this series, we come to the Bible and ask the Bible to show us what does that look like in practice? What do followers of Jesus actually do when loving God and loving neighbor? And so today we come to the idea that followers of Jesus practice generosity. And we read now from Paul's first letter to Timothy, the sixth chapter, verses 6 through 19. Hear now the word of God. Of course, there is great pain, a great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we think about this idea of generosity, I think it's important for us to give, sort of have a theological foundation for what it is to live a generous life. God created us with the willingness to give, to give to God, to give to other people. This design is just part of how we're made. Part of how God made us is that we have a need born within us to be generous. 
But there are two voices at war against our God-given impulse to generosity. There are two voices tempting us to keep or hoard what we have. And the first one is the voice of fear. We are fearful of what might happen to us, along with the misplaced idea that the true source of our security keeps us from being generous and leads us to hoard what we have. The truth is that hoarding offers no real security in this world. And the second is the voice of self-gratification. Our culture tells us that our lives consist in the abundance of our possessions and the abundance of pleasurable experiences. So we find ourselves thinking, if I give away what I have, there won't be enough left over for me. And so then we are called by our faith to defeat those two voices. When we give our lives to Christ, when we invite Jesus to be Lord of our lives, when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin working within us, we begin being changed by God from the inside out. We find that fears can begin to dissipate and the aim of our life can shift from seeking personal pleasure to instead pleasing God and caring for others. Now, we may still wrestle with these voices from time to time, but the more we walk with God, the more seriously we take our walk with Jesus, the more we are able to silence those voices and the more readily able we are to grow in Christ. And the more we grow in Christ, realizing that our lives belong to Him, the more generous we become. Generosity is the result of spiritual growth. And our giving, our generosity means something to God. From the earliest days of God's relationship with His people, we read how people worshipped God by returning to God a part of what He'd shared with them. People would bring sacrifices to the altar and burn their offering of meat or of of, of produce as a way of expressing gratitude to God by returning it to God. It was an act of devotion. We see multiple places in the Old Testament where it said the scent of the offering was pleasing to God. It does it wasn't that God loved the smell of burning meat, which if we think about it, isn't that what grilled meat is? And isn't doesn't it isn't it a pleasing smell? But rather God saw the gift that his people were bringing. God saw his people responding in gratitude and like a proud father, his heart was happy in seeing his children grateful. If we look back on the verses I just read, we see Paul calling on the rich to be generous. And I think it's worth asking then who... Now, we know that Paul was writing to to Timothy. He was writing for a first century audience. But as we read these verses in Florence, South Carolina in 2022, who are the rich that Paul is talking about? Spoiler alert. It's us. It's all of us. By the standards of the world, the vast preponderance of Americans are rich. Any middle class American is incredibly more well-off than the vast majority of the world's population. And God's Word is clear. God expects, expects us to be generous with that with which He's blessed us. 
In their book, Passing the Plate, Christian Smith and Michael Emerson report on extensive research into the generosity and giving patterns of American Christians. And they conclude that we American Christians as a group are remarkably ungenerous. For example, 20% of the people who identify themselves as Christians in America give nothing to church or charity. Zero. Not $10 for the company's United Way campaign. Not an odd dollar in the offering plate. Nothing. And of the 80% that do give, most give between 1% and 2% of their income. The authors make the case that this is because our culture is driven by consumerism, that we've bought into the idea that we think we need more money so that we can buy more stuff for ourselves. And every time we turn on our TVs or look at our phones or turn on our radios, whatever it is, there's always something there that we say, I need that. The one I have isn't good enough. Or I don't have one and need one. And so we're driven not to give, thinking that if we don't give, we'll have that thing that we need. So Paul could very well be thinking of us if we reread 1 Timothy 6, 6-10, through 10, when he writes, Of course, there is a great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Friends, generosity is a gift to us. Our being able to give is in and of itself A gift. We can find joy in giving. And in the giving, God can work through us for the advancement of God's mission, for the church of God's work in the world. When I think about this joy of giving, I'm reminded of something my daughter did when she was a toddler. And she gives me permission to tell this story. But she had a thing she would do when she would go into your room and take things Things that were already yours. She'd grab your wallet. She'd go in her brother's room and grab a toy. She'd go grab a pen off of my desk. She'd grab something. And she'd find a piece of paper, just, just, just paper, whether it was a newspaper or junk mail or, or, or a piece of paper she got from the printer, from the computer, and, and she would wrap it, ball paper around it, and she'd bring it to you. And she'd present it to you. I got you something. And you had just heard her in your room. She'd give you something that was already yours, but she'd give it to you, and you'd have to unwrap it right then and there. And if you did not express your profound gratitude, she was greatly offended. But think about it. She gave you something that you already owned. You received it, and she enjoyed the giving. That's why she went and took all your stuff to give back to you. She just enjoyed giving it to you. Friends, we lose that somewhere along the way. But don't have you not found joy in giving? Giving to people you love? Have you not found joy in return of giving to seeing the joy on someone's face? I think 
That's the idea I'm trying to get at here. The fact that we can find joy in giving is itself a gift from God, which is to say generosity is a blessing to us, and it's a way God can use us to bless others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you will, bow your heads and I'll pray. Lord God Almighty, in the middle of our everyday worries, as well as those serious concerns for ourselves and for others, we ask that you give us these moments of appreciation and joy. We give you thanks for the beauty that surrounds us, that of your world as well as the beauty of those who are using their gifts to serve and to uplift us. We thank you for the gift of music and the power it has to grant a glimpse of glory. Lord, we praise you today for the young children among us whose families have grounded them in the knowledge of you and of Christian community, we pray that they will grow in love of you. We pray that we will be responsible and committed adults that guide and support them in their faith journey. We ask that you help us to model the example of Jesus Christ so that we will be good examples of those growing in faith. God, we are grateful to you that you have chosen to partner with us in ministry. We are grateful for the spiritual gifts with which you have blessed each of us, for we know that the use of these gifts is a blessing that you have given us for our sake rather than yours. Guide us to be committed in using these gifts to serve you and one another. And we ask for your comfort and mercy for those who are suffering for whatever reason. We ask that the hope that you have given us in the gift of salvation overshadows scary and wearisome parts of this life and instead help us to always remember that we have been offered eternal life. So give us strength and despair by opening our eyes to your great love. In thanksgiving and in praise, we offer our prayers to you, loving and merciful and generous God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So now as we prepare to intentionally offer our gifts and our prayers and our intentions for the coming year in ministry, I'll invite you to um, take a few moments, if you haven't already, to fill out that every member in ministry form to offer at the altar at the last hymn and that you prepare your gifts for God. <laughs> 